0: Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Oh, uh, yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Coach Damon, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Lax Goalie Rat podcast. Now, this is the last episode in season number one, so we'll be taking a slight break, and we'll come back strong next season. Normally, in this spot of the podcast, I promote my own Lax Goalie Rat online camp, but in season two, I'm opening it up a little. If you have a product or service or camp that you want to get in front of thousands of lacrosse goalies, lacrosse goalie coaches, lacrosse goalie parents, please reach out. Damon at com. My next guest is Jesse Miller from B2B Lax. Now, Jesse and his team are recruiting experts. In fact, they've interviewed several coaches, D1, D2, all levels really, and found out what it is that coaches are looking for when it comes to recruiting. So in this conversation, we sit down and talk about all things lacrosse, Goalie Recruiting. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jesse Miller from B2B Lacks. My guest today is Jesse Miller. B2B Lacks is the site b2b-lax.com. And Jesse, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no worries. So your expertise is really in recruiting. You have a great recruiting product that's out there that we will talk about um, but before we get into that, I thought it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. You know, where, where'd you grow up? Where'd you play? where you coach? All, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Massachusetts on Cape Cod. I went to Falmouth High School. Actually, one of my college or one of my high school teammates was Mike Gable, and he's a pretty good goalie himself. He runs true lacrosse out in Chicago and he played in the M.L. for a decade so we were the same year in high school so he's one of my really close friends um, so I played like I said that in on the cape at found high school graduated then I went to Tufts and played at Tufts for four years under Coach Daly who's now the head coach at Brown after I graduated from Tufts I was the graduate assistant coach there while I went to grad school and coached for two years under Coach Daly as well, really, you know, love to coach. I still coach, but during the times as my graduate assistant, I realized that I didn't necessarily want to become a full-time coach because I have a lot of interest to my day job. I'm an engineer or stuff like that. So I still wanted to find a way where I could coach ideally in college without having to do it full-time. And stumbled upon the volunteer position that they have in Division One. They have them in Division Three and Two as well, but in Division One at the time and still you're only allowed to have one. So I was figuring out getting my life organized and stuff after grad school, ended up in Washington, DC, and got the volunteer coaching position at Georgetown under coach Yurik and the two assistants were Matt Rienzo at the time and Scott Yurik, Dave Yurick's son, coach Yurik was the head coach. So ended up going on to coach there for six seasons. And that was, that was awesome in terms of going from division three, where I was there for six years, four as a player, two as a coach, then Georgetown as the volunteer for six years, saw all the best teams, saw some great college lacrosse players, and just you know built my experience more than everything else. And then there was a coaching change at Georgetown six years ago, essentially. And you know, typically whenever there's a coaching change, unless you know the incoming coach, they usually like to bring in their own guys, which didn't surprise me at all. So that's exactly what happened and from there i went to gonzaga the private high school in washington dc and at the time my only experience with coaching or my only experience with high school was just evaluating players and whatnot on tape and then going to you know games as a you know just to watch but then i you know signed on with gonzaga and started to see just how advanced and really really solid a lot of these high school teams are in fact I mean they're pretty much colleges in my opinion so and I've been at Gonzaga the last six years coaching there and it's really fun too because now when I watch a lot of the college games we have players all across the country playing division one division two II, division three so it's pretty fun to watch those guys play so now i there the head coach at Gonzaga is Casey O'Neill. so I coach under him so
0: yeah, that's awesome. You get to see kids that you've coached kind of move on to that next level and, and succeed. And it sounds like you've had a lot of um, a lot of experience, you know, working with kids, coaching kids, and just kind of going through that recruitment process. And you've also, in your product, sat down with D one, D two, D three coaches and had these really in depth interviews about you know what they're looking for in the recruiting process, how it works, just all these questions that a lot of people have. And you talk yeah. about, you talk about recruitment killers. Do you want to, do you want to discuss like what you mean by that and kind of what those are?
1: Yeah. So during the time that I've been coaching back when I was at Georgetown, Matt Ranzo and myself, we started B2B Lacks essentially, which was an online site where it provides lacrosse instruction essentially. So just, you know, we started it six years ago and at the time there was nobody else doing it for lacrosse and it was big in golf and tennis and whatnot. So we dived into it in lacrosse. And as you know, having, loving lacrosse and also having an online business, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's also, you learn a lot too. So it's pretty fun. And We made our first product, which was the B2B players manual where we teamed up with four really solid players who played, who were all Americans in college. And then they went on to play in the pros and we built and filmed and produced this really comprehensive product that covered skills, strength, conditioning, speed, that sort of thing. And the feedback that product did well and it continues to do well. And but some of the feedback we got from that, you know, after we started building our community, and whatnot, was how many questions and stuff like that that parents, players, even high school coaches, club coaches have about the college recruiting process. And I noticed that all along while I've been coaching, talking to parents, and then really noticed it when I had my online business, which. And the problem, the questions is never really going to go away because it's always new kids coming up unless they have older siblings and whatnot who have been to the process. Their parents are always going to have questions about how it works and that sort of right. thing. Because right. the other thing that I've realized is it goes really, really fast too. So, you know, your kid could be in seventh, eighth grade before you know it. He's 10th, 11th grade, flies by, and they have to go through the process of college recruiting. And it's it's a separate process than the process you go through to become a better lacrosse player. So they go hand in hand, but they're separate. So And you want to kind of have a plan for both. So with the Recruitment Killers, the way that we structured it originally was we basically – it was pretty cool how we did it because we – we had you know a fairly big pool, a list of people across players and parents and coaches, like I mentioned, and we surveyed them about all the problems questions, frustrations that they have about the college recruiting process and it basically boiled down to these distinct buckets per se, and we gave those we gave those a name called like recruitment killer so lacrosse recruitment killer so things that if you don't really nail down it could derail you from potentially getting to where you needed to go so it was basically just a way that we could get people focused on it get them locked in and then we gave them you know a free fix for whatever that particular lacrosse recruitment killer was so one example would be a player lives in a non-traditional hotbed and he's looking to get exposure. So that would be, for instance, a hotbed of lacrosse would be Baltimore, DC, Long Island, something like that. But there's also a lot of kids playing lacrosse who are down in Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, parts of California, stuff like that. I mean, the sport's really growing. And they don't have the luxury of having a high school coach who knows who has you know 20 college coaches in his cell phone contact, stuff like that so they're just looking to get some exposure so they can get a chance to demonstrate their skills to these college coaches so that's one of the examples of of one of those lacrosse recruitment girls that I was talking about so that's kind of how we structured it and then once you get into the actual product then you can you'll you get all of them and then you also get we the other thing that we we did we thought was pretty cool is like there's nuances between the division one the division two and division three process in terms of how that all works sort of stuff like that so we we got a coach from each division and interviewed them with all the questions and just you know packaged, organized their responses to just make it really easy for kids to follow. And then I took all that information and basically like created a book called the lacrosse recruitment roadmap, which I wrote, which is, you know, PDF ebook that you can just get when you get the product and you can just follow it really. It just kind of gives you that roadmap to follow on like when to send certain emails, how to develop your initial list, how to stay in contact with coaches, that sort of thing. How, when to make a highlight tape, stuff like that. So Awesome. It can be a frustrating yeah. process for a lot of parents and players and coaches, high school coaches, that is, but if you have like a plan, then it's pretty I truly believe that if you if you're a decent lacrosse player and you really want to play in in college, you can find a school somewhere that you can make that happen. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Um can we dig into that one a little bit? The non hotbeds uh You know, basically, the problem. The problem being, like, I'm because I get that question all the time. A lot of goalies email me and say, "Hey, hey, I'm from, you know, whatever the city in California, and I just don't feel like I'm getting. I I'm not in a traditional lacrosse hotbed. I worry I don't get exposure. I guess the couple questions I have there. One, do you think? Do you think with the growth of the game, we're starting to see head coaches travel a little more? Where to those? You know, Californias to those Floridas, and do you think that's becoming less of an issue? Hundred
1: percent. These coaches are traveling there. No question about it.
0: Yeah. So, so how, how how would you recommend, like, someone from a non traditional hotbed get get that exposure? So,
1: just because these coaches are traveling to these new areas doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to see every kid in that area, right? So. There's more kids playing lacrosse every year than there are college coaches coming on board. So the ratio of kids, players, high school players to college coaches is increasing. So that means the number of players is getting larger while the number of coaches is remaining the same. There's a few programs that get added here and there, but that doesn't compensate for the number of players that are picking up the game. And, you know, it's a growing sport. So with that, being said there's I think there's a distinct way that you should do it you know even if you're in eighth ninth grade you want to you want to start by doing some sort of a self-evaluation where you you really look at yourself compared to your peers and where you played including like opponents stuff like that you want to talk to your club coach your high high school coach even your parents, and just get an idea of where you're at, right? Like a really, you know, spend some time when it, get an idea of where you're at, where your skills at comparatively to your peers. So if you're an average player, that's fine. If you're below average, that's fine. If you're a star, stars usually get noticed, right? So, mm-hmm. but a lot of those guys aren't, right? So that remains the other ninety six percent of the players. Right. And a lot of, and those players can be like bloomers. Like there's no reason why they might not be a star down the road, stuff like that. So, but I honestly think that the best way to do it is then take that self evaluation to, even though you're only a freshman or whatever, so you may not have a whole, you know, a ton of grades, you can at least have an idea of what kind of a student you are. Right. So then you take that and along with your, your self-evaluation along with the type of student you are and you you kind of see where that might and and this is a kid who wants to play college lacrosse right so like I knew that I wanted to play actually when I was a freshman I knew that I wanted to really play college basketball but that's besides the, the point so anyway by by the time I was a sophomore I knew I wanted to play college lacrosse right so if you know that then you need to do you need to be strategic about where you're gonna what you're gonna do in a given summer in order to get yourself seen by some of these coaches. So you say you put together that initial list of schools, right? And say you're a pretty good lacrosse player, pretty good student, probably not gonna play high-level division one. So you wanna like start to like dive into, look at some of these division two, II, division three schools, lower tier division one schools, get that little bit of a list, go on their websites. See where they're going to be. Maybe send them an email. Maybe see where their prospect days are, or when they had like their team camps, so that if you know that, hey, I'm interested in Cuffs, for instance, right? And I know that Coach Denofa is going to be out at the Adrenaline Camp in July. Then I'm going to go to that gen- Adrenaline Camp in July, even if there might be another camp, you know, somewhere else that. An awful wouldn't be there. So, like, you want to be strategic and like go to those events where the coaches are going to be. Like, you wouldn't want to go if a kid really wanted to play at in, if a kid really wanted to play at Roanoke or Gettysburg or something like that. He's not going to go to New England 150 when it's all Nescat coaches and something like that. So, if you just want to be strategic and do some legwork and find out where these coaches are going to be. Because if you contact them they will tell you where they're going to be.
0: Yeah. You may not get it from the head
1: coach right away, but you can ask the assistants and then, and then that's going to be, and then you also need to get, you need to couple, all this with creating a highlight tape and sending multiple iterations of a highlight tape to these people on your list of schools and stuff like that. So there needs to be some planning behind it, but if you do that plan, then you can get seen, but like, if you're going to just go to a camp with 400 kids and hope to just get noticed, I mean, unless you're a star, that's going to be hard to do. Right. So you need to let those can let those coaches know where you're going to be so that you're at least on their list of you to check out so they can at least make some initial notes of you as a player. Right. And the other thing too, is they need to see your grades because college coaches, no matter who you talk to, they always want to know what kind of grades you have first. So
0: Yep, does that absolutely. kind of help answer the question? It certainly does. Now, do you think... So this is, this is a podcast for goalies. Do you think there's anything specific goalies need to be doing? Or is everything you just said 100% applicable to middies as it is goalies? I think
1: everything I said definitely applies to goalies as well. The only thing that... Would be kind of cool is you and I, you know, do a lot of video stuff, or you know, we are involved in internet stuff, and it's really easy to, you know, film, create videos, get them uploaded to YouTube, whatnot. So, I would just have, as a goalie, when you're being evaluated, obviously you know this, like you need to see your reaction time. You want to see how you can save shots and your fundamentals, stuff like that. So I would, I would do everything I just said, but I would also send lots of three to four minute separate videos of you taking shots from in games and at camps and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that sort of thing, because like goalies, yeah. for instance, Mike Gable didn't start playing goalie until he was a junior, right? in high school and then he went on to be a hall of famer at vermont played in the ml for a long time goalies can really blossom quickly if they find you know that confidence that they can see the ball and just kind of have those quick hands so it's definitely it's definitely it would be to your uh, goalie's advantage to have multiple videos because there's always, and the other thing too, is if there's schools that you really want to go to, you can look at their staff and kind of get a feel for who on that staff coaches the goalies, right? Especially in division one, because they only have four coaches. So get a feel for who coaches the goalies and then send those videos directly to that coach. So I can give you an example. For instance, Georgetown, David Shriver is, one of his roles is to coach the goalie. So if I was a really good goalie in a non-traditional area or even a traditional area, I would send him some highlight videos and ask him where he's going to be so that he, him specifically can look at me play. Cause the head coach has a lot of things going on and he might not necessarily be the expert on goalies on the, on the staff. And as you know, your goalie is a very unique position. So
0: that's yeah. something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great comment. And they'll, they'll probably always, even if you send it right to the head coach, they'll probably pass it off to their goalie coach and say, Hey, what do you think of this guy? I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. So, cool. If they um, even have
1: time, like, cause sometimes like that, that exchange, that pass from the head coach to the, to the assistant who's in charge of the goalies doesn't happen the second after you sent the email like he, you have to assume that that particular coach might be getting 500 emails a day. So that might not happen until a couple weeks down the road. Whereas if you send it to the other specific goalie coach, you're going to get seen in front of him faster. I would imagine.
0: Yeah. If it it even happens at all, it's very easy to get lost in in a sea of five. And then the other thing to
1: do too is a lot of, especially in division two and division three, a lot of the goalie coaches in Division Three have other jobs. They might not even have a school website, right? But if you can I – mean, I'm sorry, not a website, an email address. But if they – if you're able to find out who that person is and get his email address – it might be on the internet as well or, or he might have a school email. If you send him one, he's not getting any emails. I guarantee you he will – evaluate your tape and yeah. then he'll be excited too because this kid obviously he's extremely proactive he's taking a non-traditional route essentially <laughs> and then yeah you know that would give him a good opportunity to get seen so and that's what you want
0: yeah it's um you know I was never recruited to play college lacrosse I, I started in college but I, I went through your product and I've helped kids do it um, go through the process, and it just, it's just—it's amazing to me how similar it is to finding a job. It's like you want to yeah. present—you want to present yourself in the most professional manner possible, right? And and making these mistakes, like sending out a mass email and not updating the coach's name. It's like you know those are the exact same things, like like having a typo on your resume. You know, just these these things that you can eliminate that kill you in the recruitment process.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I don't want to sound, because I thought about this for a while, like when we were making the product and when I was writing essentially my book, right? And I don't want people to seem overwhelmed about making that initial list of schools if you're an eighth grade or a freshman, but it's a reality. Like time goes by really fast. I remember my parents like took me to my first couple of college campuses when I was in eighth or ninth grade so why not just kind of like maybe see if some of those schools potentially would have lacrosse and be something that you might be interested in obviously everybody wants to go to the big name schools and be a star lacrosse player there but that isn't always going to happen right so and there's a lot of lot of awesome lacrosse being played at every division level and what's if you look at the MLL, you have a decent amount of Division Three players playing in that league. So there's a lot of Division One caliber players playing in Division Three. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Let's see. Let's let's change gears a little bit. We talked a little bit about contacting college coaches, and I guess a couple years ago they they made a change to the rules where. Um, the earliest college coaches can contact you back is September 1st of the kid's junior year. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so that's, and like, how does it, how does it change the recruiting process? To, if at all,
1: that only applies for division one. So Got it. division two and division three are still the same, but they don't start the recruiting till in your, into your junior year anyway there's always been a little bit more delayed. What was happening in for a while was you were getting a lot of eighth graders and freshmen committing verbally committing to playing college. It was getting younger and younger and the trend just didn't sit well with like the people who make the rules. Right. So Mm -hmm. they actually changed it. And now the only thing that you can get is if you email a coach before September 1st of your junior year, they can essentially just give you information on when their prospect camp is, and that's about it. So they can just be like, hey, I got your email. These are when our camps are, essentially. And then now come September, but there's still that value in you, keep in mind, for sure. So I come, you know, that day, I know... A lot of coaches, those Division One coaches, are calling kids at 12.01 a.m., right? So, mm-hmm. so the only thing that really changes is it prevents the really star players from verbally committing in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. So, everything else, though, remains the same in terms of you being evaluated by these coaches. They just can't really speak to you and stuff like that so um that's that's kind of that's kind of the summary of the of what got happened it. and so it just just the it just put everything more on a delayed schedule essentially
0: i got it and one of the great things that you do in your, in your, in the recruitment roadmap is, is just that, I mean, outline a road, a roadmap of what people should be thinking about doing freshman year, sophomore year, um, junior year. And one of the things I love is that, that, you know, that summary email to the coaches. So like you said, yeah, they might not be able to reply back with specifics. It sounds like they can only send camp information, but they're getting that they're seeing you right. And you're getting yeah. on their radar. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's just a few elements that you want to have in these emails when you're emailing a coach. You want to be very clear on what, when your year of graduation is. You want to have your academics. You want to have a highlight link where you're going to be that summer, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's some core elements that you want to have in those emails that just make it easy for the coach to organize his recruiting
0: yep so let's see we um you touched on the 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 September 1st rule is only for D1 is there are there other main differences between recruiting at at the D1 between D1 D2 and D3 that are worth noting the big difference
1: for division three is they can't offer you any money. So if you're, if you're a very, if you're a really solid player going division one or division two, you could get some sort of a scholarship. So, Mm -hmm. and that's just going to be a percentage of, of a scholarship. So the fully funded teams in division one have 12 and a half scholarships. So they basically have to divvy them up among the forty plus man roster, right? Whereas if you look at a football team in division one with an eighty man roster or something like that, they might have close to seventy scholarships or something like that, right? So pretty much a lot of these big time basketball and football teams have every player's on a full scholarship. That's not the case in lacrosse. So lacrosse, you're just gonna have those divvied up. So people are gonna be getting a certain percentage of a certain amount of money. So with division three, that doesn't exist. So you just, you'll just have any financial aid or sometimes some division schools have some sort of academic scholarships. If you, if you qualify for those, I would say that's the biggest
0: difference. Cool. Why is it only 12 and a half is just the money the sport brings in or is it, is that's kind of the the rule? Uh, It's
1: always been like that. It's, that's a good question. That would be, you know, I, don't, I don't even know who had the NCAA would have the answer to that question. I guess so. Yeah, we'll
0: put that on the list to figure out. Yeah, that's
1: um, <laughs> that's just the way it
0: is. Same with women. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's your advice for like a great player on a poor team? So I, I think that you know when you have like a MIDI or an attackman. You know they can kind of take the game into their own hands a little bit more than a goalie can. To the to the extent, yeah. that, you know, they can kind of do some sweet one-on-one plays. Maybe not if they're sending you know slides really really early and they're always facing a double team. But for a goalie, you know, with a poor defense, you don't really control um, directly the the shots you take. So, what would be your advice for, I guess, a really good goalie on a poor team, in terms of getting recruited? Yeah.
1: So. Two things. One would be to try to get on a solid club team.
0: There you go. For
1: sure. And if that doesn't exist in your area, then you need to go. It all depends on what type of, what your situation is financially as well. If you're able to travel somewhat, if you are, then try to get on a good club team for sure. And then, if that doesn't exist and there's some sort of regional club team that you could join, which would require some travel, but at least you'd be playing with some good players in some tournaments, stuff like that. And then if none of those things are options, then you're going to have to make your list of schools and go to the, go to the school's prospect days, at least a couple of them and then just go to that camp and tear it up so that they yeah. notice you. Yeah. Like, so say like say for instance that you you're a really good goalie in, let's just say Utah, right? And you want to go play LaCosse on the East Coast, right? But you really want to go to Stevenson, say right, just outside of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you've done your research they're not really going to make it out. You you need to find a way to go to their prospect day and just go there and show them what type of a goal you are. Cause at least there you'll be guaranteed to play in front of those coaches. Yeah, And then that, you can put, you make your impression that way. So, and some other times if you like, so prospect day is usually just, you know, a day, six hours, maybe. But if you want more, if you have like one school, that's your number one school, then maybe you go to their actual summer camp where you have three or four days in front of those coaches. And I've seen that. I've talked to a ton of college coaches and lots of these college teams have kids on the roster who went to their college camp multiple times and they just really got to know the kid, got a good feel for him as a player. And then now they're on the college roster when they're in college that is a common thing that happens.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. And that, I think that's really good advice. Um, are there any, I mean, your, your website, BDB lacks, you know, apart from, apart from the lacrosse instruction is great for recruiting Are like in this day and age of, of new tools and services popping up. Are there any others that you really recommend people take a look at?
1: Off the top of my head, I'm not I haven't looked around too too much myself because I'm not recruiting. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, looking to play in college. I know that a recent one, Jamie Monroe has one that just came out that I haven't seen the actual product, but I saw I saw that he just released a product within the last couple of weeks. So and he's, yeah,
0: cool.
1: he was, uh, the head coach at Brown was a coach at Denver and then was a founder of three to the cross for a while. So he has a recruiting product as well that he just released. So, I mean, the, the, the one thing I can say though, is the beauty of the internet is, <clears throat> and you'll probably agree with this, is that, and I'll give you an example of myself in golf. Okay. So I like to play, I play a lot of golf as just as a hobby, but you know, I play a lot and work on my game, like want to improve. And you can go on the internet and find a lot of resources, a lot of specific people to follow and like use all that in tandem, right? You can use all that together. So you can take tips from instructor A, combine that with some tips from constructor B and take some of those tips and const- you know, combine them with C and kind of just make some sort of thing, you know, where you have, you know, a lot of good resources, right? Whereas if I was working with, if I was just working with, a say, a trainer and a one-on-one trainer and, you know, I was meeting with him, he lived near me, I was meeting with him, and I wanted to work with another trainer, then I have to essentially not work with my initial trainer and then move over to the new guy and I would just be one or the other. So the thing with the internet is you have so many options of like getting multiple view, t- multiple viewpoints and using it all. So yeah. that's powerful. So 100% I would agree. suggest yeah. that people, you know, if there's not a ton of them now, there's going to be more later, I would say. So Which just, take all that stuff, gather your information for the people. Cause the other thing too, is a lot of people, a lot of people don't even listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of people don't really have a plan. So if you're like listening to this podcast and you're you know, a fan of yours, you're probably one of the players who is pretty proactive and pretty determined to do stuff. So you can take all that information and really, 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 really have like a solid plan of attack. So
0: yeah, I 100%, 100% agree. I've made that comment on this podcast before with the state of, you know, what look where lacrosse is at. You have like the best players in the world are also coaching, right? And they're also putting out like really amazing content on YouTube yeah. and Instagram and their own sites. So it's kind of an interesting interesting time yeah. and there's really no reason not to, you know, not to know what to do. And, and the other comment yeah, and-
1: And part of the reason why the players are doing that is because it provides them with some additional income, whereas they're not getting paid like they are. You know, the NFL guys and that sort of thing, they're really, really getting paid. And lacrosse is, yeah, that's the beauty of lacrosse. It's still, you know, it's not as mainstream as the four core sports. And you can kind of have exposure to some of those stars easier than you can in the other sports. And it's easier to play those sports in college as well. So it's, in terms of having an opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah. And the other opinion. thing, yeah, I totally agree. And the other thing, too, is we, we were talking earlier about those highlight tapes. I mean, a lot of those tapes are still on YouTube. I mean, you can go out and see Jack Kelly's highlight tapes, who's probably one of the best goalies in the world right now. Um, so it's yeah. kind of cool. It's kind of cool, you know, just kind of see how they did it. And the yeah, clips, for sure. The clips that they, that they included and, you know, how they structured their tape because they got recruited to, you know, play at the top level. And, you know, if that's what you want to do, then replicate that.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, great. Jesse, thank you so much for the time. Um, the site is b2b lax.com. Anything else you want to add?
1: No, I just, I'm always reading your emails and love what you're putting out. Excited that you started a podcast. So I'll definitely be listening to your episodes and stuff like that. And, I actually know some goalies myself too. So if you need any future guests, just let me know. I can put you in touch with some of them.
0: Yeah, I will be, I will be hitting you up and, and, um, I'll link out to your product too. Cause it's, it's really good. It, it, it really helped me learn, you know, the recruiting process, especially if you've never gone through it. it, it lays it out a to Z, everything you need to do in that roadmap. And there's a bunch of great interviews. So I'll definitely link out to that. And, uh, Thanks yeah, that'd everybody. be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you soon, buddy. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jesse Miller from B2B Lax. Kind of a different topic in terms of talking about recruiting and what a lacrosse goalie and their family and their parents need to do to prepare if they want to play lacrosse at the next level. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you enjoyed season one of the Lax Goalie Rap Podcast. I know I did. It's been excellent getting to chat with these goalies. Lacrosse is my passion, and I just love chatting with these goalies, and I hope you did too. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you can, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this. It really helps get the content into the eyes, into the ears, into the hands of lacrosse goalies and lacrosse players everywhere. Once again, I really appreciate it. Take care. This is Coach Damon. (laughs) you've been listening to the lax goalie rat podcast with your host coach damon wilson